Hello and welcome to Downsizing, an audio car crash. I'm your host, a pile of bones and meat, Tim Down. Uh, The holidays have continued, folks, and I have continued to shirk the rules. Uh, I didn't get lost in the sauce, but I did find myself in it, if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, I think I actually lost a bit of weight this week. Um, I'm at 285, and I'm pretty sure last week I was 286. Uh, But that's pretty much a fluke, I think. You know, I may have sneezed a few more times this week, you know, that could make up the difference. Um, I only ended up going to the gym once uh, with my friend, and uh, we did a cheeky little leg day. Uh, And despite the fact that I hit some uh, pretty big PRs uh, for all the lifts we did, uh, I didn't feel nearly as sore as I did last week which either means we undertrained or I overtrain when I'm by myself. Maybe a bit of both. Um, Either way, I'm hoping to go to the gym, you know, more than just once this week. I don't want to fall off completely and, you know, lose all of my sick gains. Because if I start to backslide, uh, I might just have a complete emotional breakdown. I'm a pretty well-adjusted guy, as, as you might be able to tell. Uh, I got some Christmas shopping done this week. Uh, I went downtown to try and find uh, presents for a few people, and two out of three locations were completely unsuccessful. One place I went to was closed, and one was just completely cleared out of anything that I could have gotten. Uh, but while I was downtown, I was a, I was surrounded by all of these just delicious-looking restaurants. Burger places, Lebanese places, countless Asian restaurants, uh, a goddamn Korean pogo place. You know, I thought my mouth was going to freeze shut from all the drool, uh, but I resisted. Although, you know, I may ha- may or may not have indulged myself in some some beef jerky and maybe some 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 sweet and spicy crusted peanuts. You know, who can who can resist every little temptation, right? I can resist everything but beef jerky. I think is the the quote there. Um, then on Friday, I went to a Christmas party at my friend's house. And uh, we did a white elephant gift exchange. And, um, you know, I never really know what to get for those because, like, they're always under $20. And I have no idea what to get besides, like, $20 worth of chocolate. Um, but in a moment of inspired derangement, uh, I came up with an idea. And I went to Renaissance, which is a thrift store. And, um, well, I compiled the life and times of Caillou. Uh, I bought a DVD of the original series, uh, which, you know, shows his childhood. You know, the Kai we know and love. Then I got We're the Millers, which shows, you know, where he grew up a little bit. He grew out his hair and he participated in, you know, a, a heist, a caper, if you will. Then, uh, partially using the skills of you know, deception and espionage that he picked up in We're the Millers, he became a spy in the Jason Statham vehicle. Spy. Then he got a little bit older, a little bit creakier, you know, and so the spy life wasn't for him anymore. So he settled down, he had a family, he became a cop in Quebec, and we pick up with him uh, in this stage of his life in Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Then finally, uh, he falls on hard times, he loses everything, and we conclude with the Devil's Rejects. It's a whole cinematic universe. And personally, I find that very funny. But I'm well aware that this could very easily just miss the mark and just come across as incomprehensible and weird. But thankfully, it was well received. Um, As far as for what I got in the exchange, the first thing I opened was a set of like those um, 
those Irish coffee glasses, along with a bag of Christmas coffee, which was very solid. I was super stoked. Uh, but then it got stolen away from me, and I was devastated. But, you know, that's just the way White Elephant goes. You know, you win some, you lose some. So I got to pick again, and I chose to unwrap another gift, which ended up being a set of Irish coffee glasses. It was meant to be, you know? Uh, if someone else tried to take it away from me, I would have been forced to throw hands. I'm not losing the same gift twice. The rest of the party was pretty stellar. Uh, we played a lot of random games I've never played before, like one where you have to tie a pen around your waist and, and dip it into a can, which, I mean, you know, I I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's just literally what it was. Uh, you know, we had some, we had some drinks, we played some five finger pellet, you know, all the classics. Um, I, I explained the concept of bussy to my friend Alex, which is something I will not be doing here. And I ended up getting home at like three in the morning, which I haven't done in quite some time. It made me feel young all over again. Uh, finally, I have a little update on my cat. This is actually from last week, but I didn't end up talking about it in the podcast. So I took my cat for his six month checkup. And I was expecting that they would tell me, you know, what a what a handsome young man he was and send me on my way. So you can imagine my surprise when she told me that he was overweight. Uh, she's an Australian doctor. So what she actually said was, he's a bit tabby. It's unbelievable. How dare she talk about my son like that? Just because he's out here mogging all the other cats with his superior physique, it doesn't mean she has to take him down a peg. But, you know, like father, like son, I guess. Um... I also brought up that he has horrible breath, which honestly does make sense because, you know, all he eats is cat food, which, of course, smells like cat food. Uh, But again, I thought she was just going to say, yeah, well, you know, what does your breath smell like when you eat garlic, big guy? You know, don't need a PhD to work this one out. But instead, she said he has really bad gingivitis, cat gingivitis. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't even remember what gingivitis is. Uh, so we have to switch him to a different food. Um, more in- interestingly, though, we have to brush his teeth. And you can use a brush or like a little finger cover thing. Um, but what she said and what we found online is for the most part, if you just sort of like rub their teeth, then that gets rid of most of the you know buildup. And given how he reacts to getting his nails clipped, I was sure we were going to have to, you know, just endure getting bit and swatted at for trying to put our fingers in his mouth and just rubbing all over his teeth. But He's surprisingly chill about it. He just kind of lays there with his eyes closed. It almost seems like he likes it. You know, I guess cats have engaged in far stranger behavior. I mean, just the other night, he pulled the charging station for my PS4 controllers out of the wall and sprinted around the corner with the wire in his mouth, banging it into everything like the vault in Fast Five. The cats just have a completely different agenda. Uh, I think that's it uh, for this week, uh, for the first half. Um, You know, nothing really super exciting besides that um but this week instead of an ad um we've got ourselves a little public service announcement that i strongly strongly advise you to listen to uh ta-ta hi guys it's me tim down host of the downsizing podcast now as i mentioned this is not an ad this is a psa a public service announcement before you get into the second half please be advised Things get pretty fucked. Um, This is a content warning. Now, there's nothing uh, as far as like violence or sexual assault or anything like that. So don't worry. Um, But we do discuss probably the most disgusting thing I've come across on the internet. Um, 
I keep in mind, I never watched any of the two girls, one cup or, you know, um, pain Olympics or one guy, one jar when I was in high school. Cause you know, my parents love me. So I just didn't really feel the need to, to act out like that. But that's besides the point. Um, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, I don't know if it's as rough for the, for you guys as the listeners, cause I'm just describing what it is and quoting it here and there. Um, but I will let you know, uh, that while I was watching this video, um, I was pausing quite a bit so I could get up and go stick my head out the window so I could get some fresh air cause I was going to throw up. So, um, you might be wondering as my sister did, well, why would you include this in the podcast anyway? Well, you know, it's, it's also pretty funny. So <laughs> it's a, as good a reason as any. So, um, that's it for this little PSA. Uh, thanks for, thanks for stopping by. Um, and, uh, let's get into it. And we're back. So allow me to, to let you in on a little, little behind the scenes of this episode. My original plan was to talk about the origins of all the sort of staples of Christmas, you know, like the tree, gift giving, gingerbread men, you know, a few other things. It was going to be a real, you know, historic survey of our modern traditions. But, well, that's, that's not what happened. Um, you see, gingerbread was the first thing I researched for this episode, mostly because I felt like it would be, you know, the most straightforward one. You know, I imagine the tree might go back a long ways to, you know, a few different cultures. Gift giving is a bit vague and not really exclusive to Christmas. But gingerbread men, I mean, they're cookies. You know, how wild could they be? Well, um, uh, let me let me tell you, uh, my eyebrows <laughs> went through the roof at some of the things I uncovered here. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. Let's, let's just ease into things. Let's start with a bit of history, you know, just to get ourselves oriented. Now, I realized that I actually talked about the origins of gingerbread men in a different episode, uh, but for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was or why. I seem to remember making a joke uh, about them being a sign you're about to be fed to dogs. Uh, this is because the cookies can be traced back to Queen Elizabeth I, who would present visiting dignitaries with a cookie that was baked in their likeness. So she was kind of like that guy who would make those pancakes that look like Disney characters or like John Cena a few years ago. Those videos that have already you know been all over Facebook. Um, but we've we already covered that. Um, what was news to me was a line that I found in multiple different articles who clearly just plagiarized each other. Um, they let me know that back in the day, people would use uh, crumbled gingerbread to mask the smell of decaying meat. Now, I felt like this warranted digging a little deeper. So I looked into it and all I could find, you know, were articles just saying the same thing, you know, nothing more, no elaboration on how this started. Was this even real in the first place? Um, you know, it's just a bunch of people just literally plagiarizing each other, which is just par for the course as far as articles on the internet go. So honestly, it might not be even true at all. Ultimately though, this doesn't matter because in the process of looking for more information, um, I came across some things that, that I found psychically damaging on a visceral level. I felt like a detective who, you know, began with investigating a string of petty thefts that involved into a case about a cult who commits vivitaxidermy. So, let's go on a journey together, shall we? Down a pulsating, putrid rabbit hole. <laughs> the first thing I did was Google gingerbread, uh, gingerbread to hide decaying meat. 
Um, it's a good place as any to start, right? You know, uh, I found a lot of articles. They're basically the same uh, as the original one that I found. Um, but a few of them mentioned something called a charcuterie chalet. Now, um, this, along with the images, gave me a very particular feeling of uneasiness. It's that feeling you get, you know, if you ever have to go out to your car in the middle of the night to get something, you know, that feeling you get as you walk back towards the light of your house, the acute awareness that you, you, you're outside, you're completely exposed, that there's no real barrier between you and the wild. Sure, you, you might be in the suburbs, surrounded by houses for kilometers in each direction, but that doesn't make the feeling you're being watched go away. Like you're being stalked by something that's at the top of the food chain. You feel compelled to look behind you to make sure there's nothing out there, but you don't. Because looking would be giving in to the feeling and lend credibility to the idea that something could actually be lurking in the darkness. So you walk back to your house, eyes forward, trying not to give away the fact that you can feel your heartbeat in your toes. You quickly open the door and slam it shut behind you, finally, finally allowing yourself to look out into your dimly lit front yard for any signs of footprints or claw marks. Or, you know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Anyway, uh, a charcuterie cabin is like a gingerbread house, but it's made out of um, meat and cheese, which is shockingly disgusting to me. You know, like with a gingerbread house, obviously, they taste bad. You know, after all, everyone knows the secret ingredient to delicious baked goods is not structural integrity. But if you leave them out for a while, you know, the worst thing that happens to them is they get, like, dry and hard. But unless you're making it in a walk-in freezer, in the time it takes for you to build this this chalet uh, out of, or cabin, or whatever the fuck it is, uh, the time it takes for you to build it, all of the meat and cheese is just going to get warm and soft. You know, not to mention how much you have to handle it and press it and arrange it just to get it all in place. And, you know, everyone knows the best time to partake in charcuterie is near the end of the night when the cheese is, you know, stuck to the board and the prosciutto feels like an anchovy. I think part of my revulsion came from the fact that it really looked like a solid block of cream cheese with like crackers, pretzels, cheese, and meat spackled onto the outside. But I looked up some recipes to see how they're actually made. And most seem to be essentially log cabins with like pretzels or like little like breadstick things being stacked on top of each other and held together with, you know, cream cheese. Although I did see one where the person making it covered a metal tin with wax paper and just covered it with cream cheese to use that as a base, which feels a bit like using studs to build a house of cards, but that's besides the point. Look, um, ultimately a charcuterie board is all about choices, right? It's a raw build your own pizza station. You want just cheese and crackers? Have at it. You want to wrap salami around a pickled onion? By all means. You want to make a triple-decker salami cracker sandwich? Go off, king or queen. But with these goddamn fucking cabins or chalets, you, you might want a, a pretzel and some salami. But you can't have any without compromising the integrity of the northern wall. It, it, it honestly just feels like a really elaborate way to give yourself gout. Yeah, I felt like I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere with my gingerbread search. So I thought I'd move beyond, you know, just the first page of Google results and see if I could find anything, you know, once I got past all the recipes for gingerbread men and houses. And as I was scrolling along, looking for some information, uh, a headline assaulted me. This headline read, and I quote, 
Would you drink Oreo-flavored wine? Hey. Huh? What? Come again? What in the sweet baby Buddha does that mean? How can you have Oreo-flavored wine? There's no Oreo grape. Did they just dump a bunch of chalky powder into the barrel of grapes and just call it a day? Apparently, it does actually taste like Oreos, but it it still feels like any sommeliers listening now just got a shiver down their spine. I mean, how many sommeliers could possibly listen to this show, you might ask? A lot more than you might think. I mean, this is a this is a, this is a classy program, after all. <clears throat> but here's the problem, folks. Um, Oreo wine was the tip of the fucking iceberg. This article uh, contained other examples of wacky flavored foods, each more horrifying than the last. We've got ranch-flavored eggnog, mustard wine, turkey dinner candy corn, candy-flavored craft dinner, pumpkin spice spam, cappuccino chips. I mean, guys, everyone has such a hard time describing what postmodernism actually is. You know, it's so nebulous and complicated, and it describes the time we're in. Arguably, I'm not getting into it. Um, but this is this is the best example of what postmodernism is right here. The complete breakdown of traditions and rules, irony that circles back and becomes sincere. It's a semiotic nightmare. We're at a horrifying point where we both have the the brazen disregard for societal ethics to decide to make these kinds of products, as well as the means to make them. There was a time where the idea of making a cookie that tasted like a candy in the shape of a fish that tasted like raspberry, well, you'd be sent to the madhouse. But now, now we have Swedish fish Oreos. Peach flavoring tastes more like peach than any actual peach. With the way things are going, we're going to reach a point where we'll have McRib-flavored Crystal Light and chicken-flavored steak. I was going to make a joke about having Dorito-flavored chips, but that literally was a thing. Earlier this year, Lay's released new chips that were flavored like other famous snack foods. Sweet Chili Heat Doritos, uh, All Dressed Ruffles, and Smart Pop. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> I, I sound like Jordan Peterson right now. Um, but we're not we're not living in a simulation. We're, we're living in a fucking cartoon. That, you know that's that's not up for debate anymore. Um, so so at this point in my search, uh, I was feeling pretty flabbergasted, a little overwhelmed because of all the all this stuff felt like memes were transcending the internet and entering our reality. So I tried to refocus and see if I could find anything at all related to the gingerbread decaying meat technique. And I'm going to be upfront with you guys. There's a there's a non-zero chance that I may throw up over the course of this next section of the podcast. We are at maggot cheese levels of yikes, just to give you guys an idea of, of what we're dealing with here. I don't know if you've ever gagged while typing before, but I sure have now. So I'm going to try and get through explaining this last bit. Um, and as I need to, I'm just going to interrupt myself to describe some kind of decadent dessert or treat, you know, just to cleanse my palate a little bit. So here we go. I decided to take to YouTube instead of Google, thinking that maybe some up-and-coming video essayist made a video on the history of gingerbread just in time for the holidays. The first result was an epic mealtime video from a few years ago. The second was a trailer for some horror movie from like 2007. Uh, the third was a video of time-lapse footage of ground beef rotting with, um, 
uh, 9.4 million views. And the fourth result, well, the fourth result was making high meat with maggots with a thumbnail that I can only describe as an eldritch bowel movement. So I thought to myself, what's high meat? I gave it a Google. And high meat is meat that has been left out to ferment. It's rotten meat, guys, that apparently some people eat eat to get high. And also not to get high, just because they think it's better for them. But let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So I sat with that for a second. I let it roll around in my brain for a few moments. And then very reluctantly, I returned to YouTube and clicked on the video. I made it exactly 22 seconds before I paused it and decided to just go to bed. Just call it a night. Because at 22 seconds, my man let everyone know that with regards to the steak he was showing us, quote, it's been about five days since I acquired this New York strip and left it in a jar in my truck. Yeah, no, nope, 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 nope. Uh, first of all, that truck has been totaled. That's it. She's never going to run again. Um, so we've got that out of the way. Um, so let's pause to have our first little break in the action so I can tell you about uh, a Swedish sticky chocolate cake. It's a thin chocolate cake with a gooey interior, normally served with powdered sugar and berries. That's nice. What a what a nice palate cleanser. Let's Let's get back to it. So this dude is married which means incels officially have no excuses at all. I mean, this dude is leaving raw meat in his truck on purpose, and he still found someone who was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tie my life goals, dreams, and finances to this guy. He also mentions hiding it in a closet when she got home from work, so maybe she doesn't know he eats fermented raw meat. Um, Personally, just speaking from my own perspective, I think she would probably rather find seven other women in the closet than a rotting steak he was going to eat for his YouTube audience. Some some notable quotes from him early on um, are the term fungulated meat and um, hair on your meat puts hair on your chest. And by the way, he goes on to clarify that that hair, it's not just bits of, of mold or fungus. Somehow, it got some dog hair on it too. Stroopwaffle are thin waffle cakes made with molasses, cinnamon, syrup, and brown sugar. So, um, oh. so he takes a bite, uh, cut it out with some scissors, which I found unsettling. Um, and then he said he chewed it a few times for flavor. And then it tastes kind of like old deck boards. And then I was fucking brutalized. Because after contemplating the flavor profile and commenting on the texture, it just just abruptly cuts to a shot of it after 48 days of being outside in a jar with no lid, sometimes in the direct sunlight. And then he said some things I'm not going to repeat because I literally almost threw up. This video honestly made me sweat bullets. I think I lost like a thousand calories watching this thing. He then cuts to it after 81 days and lets us know that the, the fact that there are there are maggots in it is a good thing because when you're fermenting meat, you want an anaerobic environment. 
So if there's a lot of active maggots, that means there's plenty of oxygen on the meat. Did you catch that? The issue with what I just said? Well, guys, anaerobic means without oxygen, not with oxygen. But you know what? I'm not going to sit here and nitpick. Because this guy clearly trusts the process. Sakertorte is an an Austrian cake that consists of layers of dark chocolate cake with a layer of apricot jam in the middle and a dark chocolate icing. Then we cut we cut a few times up to um to 125 days later. To be clear, that's uh, 125 days of this this steak being in a jar. Oftentimes without a lid. Oftentimes outside. Uh, yeah, he just he just talks about like, oh, I took the the lid off the jar, and then I went to the store and realized halfway there I forgot to put it back on, and well, you know, I'm not gonna go back, you know, uh, blah blah blah, I could, you know, alert the wife to what I'm doing, and so, uh, so yeah, um, so 125 days later, and he's showing us the progress, and I I can't even begin to describe what it looks like. I feel like every protagonist of an H.P. Lovecraft story. But he has a call to action. He says, uh, go ahead and drop a comment about how many maggots you can count in the meat. This dude is a true blue content creator. He's looking to grow his channel. You know, one rotting, festering piece of meat at a time. Now, things take an interesting turn. This is honestly the best horror movie I've seen all year. So... We cut ahead a bit, and and he's with a friend of his, and, and they're getting ready to partake in the 125-day-old meat. But but here's the thing, right? They're in a parking garage at night, and the meat is on a cedar board on the hood of his car, along with uh, a jar. But we'll get back to the jar in a second. Now, this clearly raises a lot of questions, because... Sure. Maybe if you're hiding it from your wife, you can't, you know, eat it at the family dinner table. But, I mean, not even a picnic table somewhere. Maybe bring it a, bring a folding table to a field or something. You know, again, not to, not to nitpick. From one kind, from one content creator to another, I don't wanna, I don't wanna poke holes here, but I can't think of anything more chilling than happening upon two guys eating four-month-old meat in a parking lot in the middle of the night. Hilariously, he puts on gloves before digging in because he doesn't want to stink up his car on the way home. You know, the one he kept an open jar full of meat in for several days in the summer in Texas? Okay, to be honest, I wrote this episode as I watched it. Because I didn't think I could watch it again. So things developed as I wrote. Um, and I gave this guy far too much credit. <laughs> I wrote that he put the meat on a cedar plank. I would like to redact that statement. He clarified that it was actually a piece of old pallet that he broke off. His reason? Well, because it's a disposable plate. And you know, it really is unfortunate that that no one has figured out a way of making disposable plates yet, so we had to resort to using the just dirtiest form of wood on planet Earth. 
And and honestly, strangely, him actually eating it was not that bad. It was almost boring. He did say he wasn't getting any pussy tonight, which, good one. Um, then he and his chum had some back and forth about how it tastes. And near the end, my man claims that if God intended humans to eat cooked food, he would have made animals already cooked, which is, is a good point. Uh, although a bit strange because he mentions multiple times that he works in a restaurant. You know, I mean, I don't know. Eating desiccated meat is one thing, but being a hypocrite is just inexcusable. Now, I mentioned the jar he had with him earlier. Let's get back to that. So in the video description, he mentions that he ate the steak in one sitting with a glass of blood. And that honestly did make me laugh, just how direct it was. But he actually undersold it. You know, maybe he didn't want to spoil the ending like he spoiled his meat. Um, because what he actually did was he took a cup of beef blood and he dumped it in the jar he kept the steak in. And swirled it around to pick everything back up. The jar was not empty. And he drank that. So it's like saying you drank a glass of water. And really, you dipped a cup into an oil spill and just chugged it. You know, I'm I'm honestly kind of at a loss here. Uh, it seems that there is a whole community of people that are super into doing this. And they're all pretty smug about the fact that they haven't been programmed by society to think that eating cooked, fresh food is a good thing. I saw a guy a few weeks ago who ate an entirely raw meat diet where he blended up like kidneys and lamb and raw eggs and shit, and I thought that guy was deranged. But he's basically a vegan compared to this guy. And I took a look at some of the other videos on his channel, and to be honest with you, I think the high meat video was the least disgusting one. Now, now I know that sounds like an unbelievably insane thing to say, but I stand by it big time. I mean, this is the type of guy who would eat pickled poop. So... Yeah, that's my holiday gingerbread episode. <laughs> oh, I know I said that all the episodes this month were going to be all holiday related, but well, we did talk about gingerbread a bit. And actually, uh, I found an article as I was going through my search history that said that the idea that people used to use a lot of spices to hide the smell of decaying meat was not really true and doesn't even make any sense. Firstly, because there's no good reason to hide the smell of decaying meat. Like, if it's decaying and you eat it, it's still going to make you sick, even if you slap a nice rub on it. Not to mention the fact that exotic spices were really expensive back in the day. So, you know, poor people who would be more likely to have poor quality meat wouldn't be able to afford them anyway. And the people who could afford them would be able to afford fresh meat. So, there you go. You've got a bit of a resolution. Myth busted. And by the way, this guy in the video, who's, you know, our, our friend with the, with the rotting meat uh, hobby, um, he looks like Pedro Pascal if he was in The Machinist. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was really disgusting. But I almost want to recommend watching it because it's truly one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Like, there's so much about it that just 
doesn't make sense. It's weirdly edited. Sometimes it shows a watermark for the editing software he's using. Sometimes the camera like flips like um, mirrors for no reason. Um, it just feels very weird. Like it, it's like I don't know. It's, it's I I want to recommend it, but I also was truly fucking disgusted. And half the time I was watching it with one headphone in, standing up, looking at the screen out of the corner of my eye. And trying, literally trying not to throw up. So maybe don't watch it. Um, I mean, you can find it if you want to. You just Google the th- same thing I did. But man, if you think you're, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm a different guy now. I'm, I'm a changed guy. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was quite a ride, eh? Um, I think that might have been worse for me actually watching it than describing it. But uh, you know, you're welcome. Um, I doubt next week's episode is going to be that gross and intense, but you know, we, we could have a Christmas miracle and I could stumble upon someone even more deranged. If you know a deranged content creator you want me to take a look at, you can let me know on Instagram at excessively underscore Caucasian or by email at downsizingpod at gmail.com. And yes, it would be very funny if you linked me to my own content, but it only for the first person that did it. Tune in next week to see how my rotting meat is doing. Slap your face! Slap your friend! Get sexy, kids! Do-do-do-do! Stinks in here! Smells like meat! Rotten meat! Kids, why would you bring that rotten meat in here of all places? Kids, you stupid motherfuckers. What the hell's wrong with you, kids?